with me tonight is author, Pittsburgh Steelers expert, and just, you know, guy I've been looking forward to talking to for a long, long time. Uh, and author, and I can't hold up the book. We tried that earlier. Author of this new book that came out last year, Polamalu. And uh, guys, you know, I am a Pittsburgh Steelers fanboy. I'm wearing my jersey tonight. Uh, and I've got the book here with me. Polamalu is like my second favorite player, just behind Jack Ham. But man, uh, and, and I'm telling you, if you're a Steelers fan, what we said, 430 pages, and I guarantee you, if not, it you don't even have to like to read. But if you are a Polamalu fan or a Steelers fan, it'll go through. You'll go through this book in no time. I went through this in a, in a span of about a month. Uh, Mr. Wexel, thank you for being on the show tonight. Great to have you here. Uh, and just, like I said, just a great book. How now? Just trying to get off with the Polamalu stuff. How did this book come about? What 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 was the process of getting this book started? What made you think I want to do a Polo Mala book? Well, I mean, he's so interesting. For one, um, he's he's a mystery. For two, he was the catalyst for two championships. Yes, I mean that team was built on defense, right? I know Ben came along and they could run the ball and they had a Hall of Fame offensive lineman, but that defense ran the team pretty much. And Troy is going to be the only hall of famer out of that defense. He was, he was the man. Yeah. And I mean, there were a lot of great parts, but Troy was the man. And, uh, and I did a book called Steeler nation, which was a road trip book. And I went up through Oregon where he was raised and his family came out and treated me great. And uh, it was a, a great conversation. And I thought it was one of the, if not the best chapter of the Steeler nation book, one of the best. And I wanted to continue that. And I told Troy in 2010, I, I said, I want to do a book. He said, well, I, you know, wait, give me five years before I do something with my life. So I just started researching and interviewing back then, waiting for him to agree to this. And he never did want to, he never did sit down, even though we had a great relationship. And he's invited me to sit with this Hall of Fame uh, group at, at the induction wow. in, in August. He, he, his boy, his son read the book. Troy's not against the book. He just didn't want to sit down and talk about himself for however many hours. And you know how humble he would have been. And <laughs> without him, I had to work. I had to get Ryan Clark. I had to get Joey Porter. I had to get Heath Miller. And they all gave real insight where yes, Ryan Clark's <laughs> telling me, yeah, Ryan Clark's talking about the genius behind particular plays or whatever, you know, the, the Michael Vick stuff. You remember that? Yes, sir. Where, where Ryan Clark watched Troy Polamalu run down Michael Vick. He didn't know which of the two was the greatest athlete in the world. And Ryan says, I had a front row seat. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but Troy would have never talked like that. Troy would have said, it was God's will that I was able to tackle him. You know, <laughs> yeah. Ryan Clark gave me the breakdown, you know, so I had to work and I got better stuff. Yeah, and it's a different kind of biography because just because of what you said right then, you never sat down with Troy. You interviewed all these teammates, these family, these friends. Uh, how long of a process did this take to do all this? Because this is, I mean, I'm looking at, at it now. You know, Ryan Clark, Joey Porter, uh, just for the Steelers, Brett Kiesel, James Harrison, and then you go back to his USC days, to his high school days where he had a tough start uh, growing up. But how long of a process did this take? 
Well, I sat down with him and uh, a couple days after he was drafted, I had the first sit down because I was working for Steelers Digest, the team paper. So I had the first sit down with him and then I had the last. He called me for his retirement story. So all those years, those, tw those 12 years, I, I interviewed him closely and there's a lot of that in the book too. Um, how long, you know, I, so I want to say 2003 is when I actually started and I kept good notes. I transcribed all my interviews and had them on file, had them organized. So I was ready to go when I decided to start writing early in 2020. And then COVID came along and made sure I stayed at my desk. I was in my <laughs> house, so I had nothing else to do. So I just kept writing and the book got finished in 2020. Yeah, um, I, I'm sorry. The question was, when did I start or... Yeah, what kind? How long anyway, did it take? How, how long? Well, uh, he was drafted in 2003. I kept all the notes. I begin. You know, I brought the subject up to him in 2010 before the Super Bowl uh, in 2011, and uh, he, you know, I don't know, but but he was at the Super Bowl podium. I remember him turning to me. Uh, there's a mass of people around the podium, and he goes, "Oh, you'll like this." And he told me some kind of high school baseball story. So he knew I was doing the book. And here's a nugget for you. No one else at the, the no, none of the other media needed a high school baseball story, but he knew that was gold for me. And that and that's in the book too. I mean, I didn't realize how good of a baseball player he was as well. Yeah. Well, you know, great baseball player who wasn't drafted because he was pretty serious about going to play football and he let with the Dodgers for one and the Braves. There's an, there another uh, incident where uh, a, the, the, the Brave scout went to his home and raved about what a great kid he is and knew that he was being told the truth when Troy said he really loved football. Sometimes they'll draft a football player anyway, thinking he'll change back to baseball, but everybody left Troy alone. And the other thing was he couldn't play. They wanted him to play second base. At least <coughs> Tommy Lasorda did. He wanted him to play second base because that's how he was built. You know, he was a center fielder and he just wasn't as skilled. They wanted, you know, you want to fit where a bat would do the most damage. The Cubs looked at him as a, a potential Ryan Sandberg type at second base, that kind of power. And uh, he just wasn't a second baseman. So I don't know why he couldn't be a great center fielder. We, we see the way he can run. And That's uh, he was a yes, great leader hitter for Douglas. Yeah. And uh, so the sport he wasn't that good at was basketball only because he really wasn't much of a shooter. He was a classic two guard defend all day, set the tempo for your team. And he could get up and block as that one story about the state playoff game. When he blocked that uh, guy who became a Cleveland Cavalier, he went to Oregon state and he was the big star at Oregon state high school baseball, uh, basketball playoffs. And uh, Troy went up way up and knocked one into the, uh, the bleachers. Uh, put a block into the bleachers and it fired his team up. But, but he, that's what kind of basketball player he was. He really wasn't a deft shooter. wasn't really polished. He was just speed, you know, speed and jumping. Yeah, and that, <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> and that went off to the, to the football field as well. So you've been covering Pittsburgh since 95. Uh, when they drafted right. him, did you because they moved up to draft him? And Pittsburgh tech typically doesn't move up in the draft a lot to, to draft a guy. There's been some when they usually do, it's usually for a special player. 
did you feel like when they made that pick that we're getting a special player here? Well, you assume uh, I had no, I had no extra knowledge than anyone else did. And that was the first player they ever traded up for in the first round ever in Pittsburgh history. And then uh, San Antonio Holmes was right. the second. Um, they traded down for Casey Hampton. Um, I'm kidding. But no, I didn't think, I mean, there were stories and I, I remember uh, predicting that they were going to do that because there were, there were rumors that it was going to happen. And so I was just happy that my prediction came true. Uh, I assumed he was a great ball player, but the, the bigger part, and this was in the book too, for us in the media, those first three rounds, they used to put together and you, you'd get out of there at two in the morning. And, 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 you know, because the third round pick would get drafted a quarter of midnight. And then you'd have to wait for him to give the interviews. And then you have to write in a real hurry. If you look back through the history uh, as a researcher home. Well, anyway, the Steelers traded their third round pick to get Polamalu. So that freed us all up. And Pearl Jam was in town that night. <laughs> and so we knew a guy in the radio business. And so I, I said, hey, Mike, can you get Pearl Jam tickets? Because now we don't have to sit here all night. And so we went to the Pearl Jam show. So that's that was my perspective. That's what I was excited about. <laughs> yeah, and and he he's talk a little bit. I mean, about Paul Mala as a person because that that was one of the things I really liked seeing in this book. Uh, and you you talked about that a little bit. He's so humble, but uh, talk a little bit about him off the field, how he was off the field. Well, you know, um, when you write a book about a saint you're really not looking for much excitement, right? I mean, if a guy did everything perfect, the last thing he stole in his life was a Bible. You know, he, he was little, he, 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 was, he was running the streets up to the age of nine. That's why they moved him to Oregon because his, his older brother uh, became involved in gangs in LA. And so they, they uh, bust Troy up to Oregon. And, uh, uh, so the last thing he stole, he admitted to a magazine, was a Bible in sixth grade. So, I mean, a kind of guy like that, where's the fun? Where's the dirt? How are you going to sell this book? Well, Troy wasn't just a saint. I mean, he was a fun-loving prankster, a lot of pranks. Uh, you know, you, you probably remember the prank he pulled on Doug Ligurski in the bathroom. Yes, yes, sir. When Doug Doug thought Troy was peeing on his leg. <laughs> That's Troy. I mean, he's a prankster. He's fun. And also to go with that, he's so interesting. You know, the, his perspective, uh, how he treats women, how he treats his, his boys, how he, you, you know, when he went to, to visit Southern Cal and I talked to the guy who was supposed to show him around town, and Troy said, no, I'm good hanging out in my hotel. I mean, that was <laughs> yeah. more interesting than Troy going out and, to a strip joint. You know, I, I mean, just the, the little stuff. He was different in that way. And that was interesting. And it made you feel good about yourself that, you know what? You don't have to be that kind of guy. You can sit in your hotel room and enjoy L.A. that way. And, and also just the winning and the key plays he made. That's oh, interesting. Gosh. So it's not just writing about a perfect guy and having a boring book. There's many exciting things about Troy. So you asked me, what's he, what's he like off the field? I mean, don't, don't bring up football. Don't say, Hey, did you watch the Monday night game last night? 
he'll just walk away. He does not want to talk about football. And as you found out, you know, through Mike Logan talking about how much film Troy watched, you know, he watched offensive line. He studied offensive linemen. And Mike Logan's going, you know, what are you doing? Why are you doing all this? Because Mike was worried the kid was going to take his job. So Mike <laughs> would get his eye on him. Why are you doing all this extra work? Well, we find out a few years later that Troy could time the jump. He could read oh, offensive linemen like no one else could. And he would time these jumps, and that's all from film watching. So that tells you how immersed he was. And to have a us common folk go up and want to talk football, he can't. For one thing, he's sick of it because he's watching so much film. And two, you can't talk on his level at all. It's just it's a whole nother level. It's why you can hardly ever get coaches to talk football with you uh, if you run into them at a bar and things like that. Just a whole nother level. And so uh, don't talk football with Troy. Talk soccer with Troy. And talk uh, family and talk movies and all that kind of stuff. That's what Troy loves. You talk, you talk about – I, I did notice is funny. I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean no, to – No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, you know, some of these interviews Troy is doing now – he seems much more relaxed. And I think starting, I think Wednesday, there's a Zoom call with the media uh, about it. the Hall of Fame stuff is gearing up. And I think you're going to see and hear a more relaxed Troy who might tell better stories than he did as a, as a player trying to prove that he was full of God, full of spirit, uh, trying to gain clarity into the game and study film a little more uptight as a player. I, I think, I think you're going to see a relaxed Troy in the coming couple of weeks. Yeah, I'll be looking for that. I can't wait for the hall of fame. You talk oh, about, yeah. you talk about him timing uh, jumps and stuff. I think one of the most memorable plays is against Baltimore that night. He jumped over the pile on the fourth down play and stop Flacco because I think I, I always remember it because my wife, I think she thought I was having a heart attack that night when because I was like, holy moly, what the heck did he just do? I mean, but it was after a while with Troy, uh, you just those kind of plays became common for him. He did so many plays like that. I mean, the the interception gets San Diego, the interception gets Tennessee in the in the opening game that year. I mean was just so many incredible plays, but what is that one play for you that stands out as, as like his top play? Well, the, the pick six against the Ravens in the AFC championship oh, game. Geez. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I could try to be smart and think of something else, but I mean, there was four thirty left. He was about at the 43 yard line. He <laughs> makes the pick. Touchdown, sends him to Super Bowl 43. I mean, I mean <laughs> the, the place goes crazy. Uh, I was not there. Oh, wow. I will say that. I was in Mississippi watching on a screen because I had senior bowl access. A low moment of my sports writing career. But <laughs> I get to tell these kind of stories after writing the book. But, you know, and then he points up to his newborn son up in the stands. I'll was at his first that. game. Yeah. You know, uh, the first big play Troy ever made, people don't really remember. I don't think people remember, was in 2003, his rookie year. No, that was – was that 2004 that was, or 2005? That was, yeah, you're right. That was – okay. 
I think that was his second year. I'm pretty sure it was, it might have been 2005. But, uh, you know, in 2003, his rookie year, at the end of the year, they played a nothing game against the horrible Chargers, who were being quarterbacked by Drew Brees. And Drew Brees, I, I believe Doug Flutie started that game. The Steelers were winning. Brees came in and uh, Troy blitzed, hacked his arm, uh, fumbled, was picked up. If the Steelers didn't score a touchdown, they scored a touchdown one play later. They showed Breeze on the sideline in a screaming match with Marty Schottenheimer. A series or two later, Breeze was pulled. And uh, this is a young Drew Breeze in 2003. And uh, I believe Flutie either was put back in or, or put in for the first time. Flutie and, and Breeze were going back and forth all season. Yeah, They couldn't get Breeze untracked. And it, if you remember, at the next draft, the Chargers took Phillip Rivers, Rivers and the Steelers got Ben Roethlisberger. So how big was that play by Troy Polamalu? Exactly. <laughs> Changed the whole, whole force of nature with the Steelers. But you know what? And I'll say this. Hindsight's 2020. Uh, I'm from North Carolina. I'm not a state fan, but I was a big Phillip Rivers fan in college. And I was – that draft, I was sitting there going, come on, we got to get Rivers. We got to get Rivers. And then when the whole thing with Eli and Rivers went on it, and then I'm looking up and I was like, who is – I couldn't even say his name. Who is this Roethlisberger guy? I don't even know who he is. But, I, you know, you found out real quick who he was. But, yeah, uh, he, he definitely well, changed. you know, that day, Roethlisberger was wearing black and gold that day. Oh, wow. On the draft day, if you remember. Yeah, he had a, a – I forget how it worked in black with some gold pinstriping and a gold tie, something like that. It was a complete black and gold. If you go back and look at that. And I asked him once, he, he goes, I had nothing to do with the Steelers. It was just what I wore. <laughs> the Steelers were picking 11. How was he to know? There was some talk about him going number one. And if you remember rivers at the time before the draft, like a month before the draft was considered a second rounder mm -hmm. and the Steelers were, Wow, Cower went to Cower went to NC State, and then there was a picture of Cower and Philip Rivers at Rivers Pro Day, and everybody started linking the Steelers and Rivers. Well, you know, I don't know if they would have won with Rivers or not. I do know they won with Roethlisberger. So, yeah, you know, forcing the Chargers to draft a quarterback instead of sticking with Drew Brees. You know, and maybe Troy had something to do with that by blowing that play up and forcing a fumble. That was his. That was his first big play, but it was in a meaningless game. I mean, 2003, the Steelers finished six and ten. Six and the 10, Chargers man. got the first pick of the draft. I think they traded with the Giants, so the Chargers were like the 15 picking. So they were horrible. The three and 13 or something. So it was a nothing game. Nobody was watching, but. You never know if that play caused the Steelers to get Ben Roethlisberger. You know exactly. Exactly. Let's talk a little bit about you, background on you. You grew up in Chicago. Uh, now, going to college, you end up going to college at Pitt. Going to college, was sport, sports writing wasn't what you went to college for, right? Oh, man. You must have read the acknowledgments. You read <laughs> everything in this book, didn't you? <laughs> I did. I was cover to cover. Uh, I was born in Chicago. My family's in Chicago. My father was killed uh, before I was one year old, uh, it, walking his dog in the morning. So we, we be, my mother married Wexel. My given name was Jim Buckley. 
she married Wexel and he worked for GC Murphy company and he moved and kept getting promoted in the home. The home site of GC Murphy was McKeesport, Pennsylvania. So we ended up in Pittsburgh. Uh, I was here in the eighth grade and that's how I went to Pitt. Um, I became a sports writer story of it. I, I uh, w was at Pitt Greensburg and I was in English writing and uh, I, I, I got hired to be a stringer for the local newspaper by Vic Ketchman, who is a outstanding sports writer in his own right, went to Jacksonville and then Green Bay and is now retired. He covered the 70s Steelers. And so he, uh, he, he first talked to me, he goes, all right, you got this English writing at Pitt. He goes, I don't want any of that English writing blank from Pitt. I want journalism. I want who, what, where, and why. So, he, you know, he didn't want any. I was, I was learning how to be creative, how to write books, how to write magazine articles. Really, it wasn't journalism. Uh, and so he, he leaned on me to do journalism. But all of that English writing creativity, I think, helped me become a column writer, become a magazine writer, become a book writer these days. So that's how that happened. Like we said, you started covering the Steelers in 95. Uh, talk a little bit about – I understand just reading stuff. You have – you pretty much have a great relationship with, with the offensive linemen of the Steelers that come along. What, what's the story with that? I have no idea. You know, <laughs> one time I was suspended. I uh, put another reporter against the wall. He got in my face. And, you know, you can't put hands on people, man. I tried to walk away, but he wouldn't let me. So I put him up against the wall and I got suspended for a month. And uh, the local bully radio guy was blowing his hole all over uh, town about uh, how I should be suspended forever. And I don't know if the players heard him, if Mike Tomlin said something, but I got two calls while I was on suspension the next day that the team was chanting my name in the locker room. And I said, <laughs> wow, who, who, who was it? Who and they said, well, mainly it was the offensive line. I'm like, really? Wow, that's cool to have the offensive. And they said James Harrison, too. So I'm like, that is cool. I, I got some badasses on my side. <laughs> so you And Tomlin told him to stop doing this. This isn't helping. I'm trying to get him back in. Stop doing this. And I remember coming back and, and going to interview Dave DeCastro. He had his back to me talking to Mike Adams. And I was like my first day back and I walked up, I said, Hey, you guys got a minute? And they turned around, it's Jim. And they turned around and got up and stood up. How can we help you? What's happening here? What, how did this, I have no idea. I have no idea. You know, I, I have a pretty good relationship with Mike Tomlin sometimes. I mean, sometimes he's mad at me, uh, but uh, I don't know if he said something or, or what, I have no idea. But, uh, you know, and Pouncey, great relationship with Pouncey. And, you know, it's sad to see those guys are gone now. I, I, it's, it's, this year we won't be able to get in the locker room again because of COVID. So this will be two years without me getting to introduce myself to Kevin Dotson. Um, Chooks Accor for is, is, is really not – Yeah, Zach Banner is very personable. I, uh, everybody's oh, yeah. friends with him. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I, my, my glory days might have – might be gone due to COVID. You know, I don't know the guys like I used to before Pouncey and DeCastro retired and Ramon, you know, everybody knew Ramon too. So we'll, we'll see how that works. And the, the defensive line back in the day, back in the two thousands, I'd got along with the defensive line. Great. 
I still get along with Tuit and Hayward, uh, great, great guys. Uh, but I really got along with Kiesel and Aaron Smith and Casey and uh, some of the reserves. Uh, so I don't know. So the big men, I, I, yeah. I'm not going to ask why. I'm just going to go with it. <laughs> well, it's always nice to have the bigger guys to back you up in, in case you need them. Yeah. <laughs> At least you got the right ones there. Uh, you, you, yeah. bring up, you bring up the Castro's going to be gone. Pouch is going to be gone. We're starting over with a new, basically new offensive line. What's your outlook on this year? I mean, you know, of course, we got Najee coming in. Ben's back again, question mark there. Uh, and before I say anything else, before I let you answer this question, people are giving Ben such a bad time about last year, talking about he's washed up. He had better numbers last year than he did the 2008 year with, when he won the Super Bowl. Now, and granted, I know he's older and he can't get around like he used to, but come on, give the guy a break. But what's your outlook on, on the Steelers this year? Well, I mean, we watched Peyton Manning win a Super Bowl for Denver when he was well past his prime and in worse worse condition than Ben is now. I thought Ben's only problem was accuracy with the deep ball. I thought his arm strength was there, but it wasn't the old, you know, Ben's, Ben's deep ball accuracy is legendary. It, it's so good that people, I don't think, really noticed it. You know, we everybody just raved about Antonio Brown and those guys. Ben put the, puts the deep ball on the money, and I thought that was missing last year. And maybe with his bionic elbow, it's going to take him some time to get used to that, and you would hope that this year will be different. But the arm strength is still there, and he's not nearly as immobile as Peyton Manning was when Manning right. won his Super Bowl. So um, I'm not, I, I watched Ben in the spring, and he's not out of shape. I, I read things, people ripping on Ben in the national media – I don't know what they're what they're looking at. He's 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 in good enough shape, in my opinion, especially for a 39 year old. Um, and the rest of it's all going to come down to the offensive line and, of course, injuries. Uh, but we know the offensive line is totally new, and the sooner it can mesh, the better off they'll be. And I think it's good. I think it's bad that they have a Hall of Fame game because that's too early. It's it starts the summer too early. And no team that's ever played in the Hall of Fame game has won a championship. And, but this offensive line needs the extra work. And the beginning of their season is the easy part of their schedule. So one would think that the offensive line could find its groove by the time that the difficult stretch of schedule begins. And I think that's going to be the key. I think with Najee, with the receivers they have, with the tight end they drafted, uh, I mean, the strength is there on the offensive line. The potential is there. Just none of them have played together at the positions they're going to be at. I think Banner played one game at right tackle last yeah. year, maybe a quarter. It wasn't uh, even and, and that was it. A little bit of Dotson at left guard, too. And I think the defense will be fine as long as they're healthy. So I think it could be a surprising team. You, you talk about him with the deep ball last year, and I'll, I'll say this. The play calling, and I know people have harped on that all last year with the short passes and stuff, and I know after a while people caught on to that. I, I remember watching the Colts game where we went down early in the first half, and I say we like I'm a member of the team. I'm sorry. But uh, <laughs> the, the second half, when Ben opened it up, it was like a whole different team. And, I mean, to come from behind and beat a team like the Colts, playoff team, 
when he opened it up, I, I was like, I'm almost, I'm almost thinking Ben started calling the plays in the huddle again and uh, just wanted to air it out. But he looked good that last, that last half against the Colts as far as throwing the deep ball. And it showed we, we came from behind and won the game. But I'm, I'm thinking like you, I think it's going to be a surprising team. We got some young guys now. Bush is going to be back, hopefully 100% healthy uh, on defense. And, I, you know, I think we're going to surprise a lot of people. A lot of people want to see the demise of the Steelers. I'm, I'm around a lot of Baltimore Ravens fans down here, so I catch it a lot. So, uh, hopefully, if we don't do anything, at least we can sweep the Ravens like we did last year. I have a lot of respect for the Ravens. I'm not going to dismiss them. I have a lot more respect for their quarterback than it seems a lot of other people do. I want to dismiss him as a passer, that he's just a runner. Uh, I believe the quarterbacks get better, so I would not dismiss Lamar Jackson. Uh, and the Cleveland Browns, too. Yeah. And the Bengals have a good young quarterback themselves. Um, and I, I, let me add this about Ben. I just read something from Doug Farrar as a national writer, pointed out something about Ben I was not aware of. He said people in the film watching business have been aware of it. And Doug just got wind of it that Ben tips off pass or run with his left heel. If you look at him, his left heel's up, he's passing. If it's flat, he's running. And, and Farrar went back and uh, looked at tape from uh, the, his rookie year. Same thing. So Maybe that's, you know, the Ravens, I believe there was a, a DB that said, we got them figured out and you're going to see the rest of the, the NFL beat them. And they did, you know, the, the Steelers beat the Ravens, but it was close. Yeah. And then after that Ravens game is when the collapse began. I'm wondering if the Ravens showed off that tell, if, if they knew the tell and then broadcast it uh, on the grapevine because everybody just beat the Steelers easily. Yeah. So I'm sure Ben has been told of that tell by now. And we'll see. We'll see. I'm going to ask him about it at camp. So we'll see. We'll see what he has to say. We'll definitely be watching out for that. Before, before we let you go, we got to give, give this book some plugs and, and all your other books too. If uh, somebody wants to get this Polamala book, where would they look for it? I know I got it. All, well, I'm assuming my wife got it on Amazon. But uh, where are your books available at? I know you've got your website. Tell us all about that. Well, you did say you read the 430 pages in about 30 minutes, right? <laughs> I don't know if the beginning of our conversation, if you have that on tape. I like that part. You loved the book. So yes, sir. Uh, I appreciate that. It's at jimwexel.com. You can get, I autograph everything that comes out of jimwexel.com. And there's also a contact Jim button on that site. The last name is spelled W-E-X-E-L-L, jimwexel.com. And if you hit the contact Jim, you can say, you know, personalize this. I'm giving this as a gift to my son for Christmas. You know, to uh, uh, William, Merry Christmas, you know, enjoy the book, whatever. You know, you could tell me if you want a certain line for me to write to personalize it to him. Otherwise I autograph all of them. You won't get that at Amazon. Um, and we'll also run a feature uh, uh, where we can give money to the Polamalu Foundation for this coming Christmas. And we're gonna do that. 
at my site. You can't do that at Amazon. You can't get the autograph at Amazon. You will get professional mailing at Amazon. So don't discount Amazon, but <laughs> it's best to get the book at jimwexel.com. Okay. Yeah. And uh, one last thing, let's see what we did. Talk about uh, steelcityinsiders.net where you can find out all your Steelers news. You're, you're a big part of that. Uh, tell us a little bit about that as well. Well, once I get new sources on the offensive line, I'll have offensive line information that nobody else has. <laughs> no, uh, it's, a, it's an insider site, subscription site. Uh, uh, we have a lot of great writers. I, I, I really think we're the best site going, uh, but it's, it's little known because it's a subscription site. And there are specials. July 22nd and 23rd, we're going to have a big special um, I don't know the exact details, but it, it's worth the while to uh, buy at that point if you're interested in uh, joining our site as an insider. And you can interact with me on message boards, get behind the scenes info, and we have it all for you. I, I cover the team daily, a lot of great sources uh, in and behind the scenes, behind on the field, off the field, all kinds of sources. So it's worth your while. We've had customers for years. It's It's been in existence since 2001. And uh, it's what has fed my family and paid off my house for years. And now I'm hoping the book does that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I've, like I said before, if, if you're a Steelers fan, even if you don't like to read, uh, you will love this book. I, I promise you that. Uh, Mr. Wexel, thank you so much for joining us here today. Like I said, I've been wanting to do this for a long time. Uh, ever since I read the book, but uh, there's a, I got a lot of Steelers fans going to be watching this, and we thank you so much for putting it out there and uh, doing a great job. One last question: any any new books in the in sure. the works? Well, there are ideas, and there's been some stuff done. I I really shouldn't go into it. I Don't. did hint that I've been talking to Jack Lambert. That's that's the ultimate. He has told me that. No, he doesn't want to do a book, but if he does, I would be his guy. So I don't think anybody else is going to get that book. That That's my ultimate goal. And I have a couple other books in mind. Nothing nothing that's close to being done yet. But uh, yeah, I, I'll definitely tell you when I'm close to having one done. Uh, but uh, we'll come back and do this again for the next book. I appreciate yeah, I, I really appreciate I, you having me on. I appreciate your enthusiasm for the book. It really warms my heart. I appreciate it. Well, it's, it's a great book, and I'm not just blowing smoke up your butt for that. It's a, it's a great book. Uh, and if you, ever, if you ever have an idea to do a Jack Ham book, please, please let me know. Uh, I would love to see a Jack Ham book. I don't know if he would be as interested in Polo Mala, but uh, like I said, I was wearing 59 jerseys when I was like six years old. So uh, if you ever have a Jack Ham idea, let me know. Well, I'll, tell, I'll say this about Jack Ham. You must be a football aficionado to have him as your favorite player. I mean, he is he is the thinking man's player. He, he wasn't as boisterous as Lambert. He didn't have he didn't get in barroom fights with mob members who the, the mob had a hit out on, on Lambert's Achilles tendon. I mean, Jack Ham won't have those stories. But <laughs> yeah, I mean. I'm not going to argue with you about who was the better linebacker. And Jack Ham was fabulous. Just always in the right place all the time. And I really uh, give you a shout out for 
your appreciation of Jack Ham. Uh, I'm not going to argue that he wasn't the greatest stealer of all time because he was special. He really was. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule today, Mr. Wexler. I really enjoyed this. I could talk forever to you, and, and we'll bring you back on when you when you get a, another book done. Uh, and, and I just want to say yeah. all you Ravens and Browns fans and Bengals fans out there, listen, go Steelers. Go Steelers. <laughs> We're the defending <laughs> AFC North champions right now. So have a great day, Mr. Wexler. Thank you again. You too. Thank you so much. Take care. All right, guys, that's Mr. Jim Wexel on the final score. Thank you, sir.